Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainor, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. I'll tell you one thing. I was not anticipating a Lenny Hoxstein engagement. I was just not anticipating us talking about them on our podcast this week, but here we are right back in our comfort zone. The second I saw that, aside from just being absolutely floored, I was so grateful to have a podcast because that's not the kind of news that you can just walk into every public space and let it rip. You know, when the whole Jordan Woods, Tristan Thompson thing happened, you could pretty much go into any public space in Manhattan. If you said, you guys see in this shit, everyone would have known what you were talking about. This is just niche enough that you can't walk up to your average person and be like, can you believe this Lenny Hoxstein engagement news? So I know if you're listening to this, you are locked in in the way that we were. Yeah, it's niche, but also Whoopi Goldberg was talking about it on The View today. So I think we've gone mainstream. And Lisa was posting about it. When I am scrolling through my stories and I see Lisa Hoxine reposting a View clip thanking Whoopi and the rest of the View panel for standing with women, I was like, <laughs> okay, this is this is a crazy butterfly effect. <laughs> we have to get into the details because there's there's a lot to unpack here. This wasn't just an announcement. There was a lot naturally that layered on top of it. Well, just one moment of background. As we know, Lenny filed for divorce from Lisa in May of last year after being married for 12 years. They have two kids together, Logan, who's seven, L, who's three. And just a couple of days after they had announced their split in May of last year, that's when Lenny went public with his now fiance, Katerina Mazeppa. One moment of context, he is 57, she is 27. And then on Sunday, in a collab Instagram post, photo of him and Katerina standing over a sunset in Ibiza with this massive fucking rock. She captions, on top of an ancient pirate cave overlooking the sunset over breathtaking Esvedra, he asked to steal me away forever. So already we're losing it. Like nothing else has happened and we are fucking losing it. As we know, his divorce from Lisa is not even finalized. Then none other than Lenny's mother, Marina, hits us with the comment, I'll be very happy that this time you are getting a woman who loves and respects you. You certainly did not have that in your previous marriage. Good luck. Congratulations. Lisa then posts on her Instagram story and writes, congrats to my current husband and his mistress on their engagement. And she then posts a photo of the picture with Marina's comment and writes, what a wonderful mother-in-law and grandmother. How disgusting. Oh, baby. Marina switched up real fast. Like I thought she was going to go to the other side, but I did not think it was going to go this far. What I want to say to Marina is like, it's one thing if you want to congratulate your son. To do it in such a tasteless fashion with a comment that directly shades Lisa is pretty disgusting. But if you just wanted to throw him a congratulations, I get it. At the end of the day, it's your son. The thing that I cannot get over and what I would love to say to her is like, you know, we have you on film, right? Like, we know what you were thinking when this was all going down. (laughs) She was the one sitting with Lisa in just as much distress, if not more distress than Lisa was because she could not believe that Lenny was acting in this way. And now all of a sudden, Lisa is this villain. And like, to me, these are the moments when I say, oh, so they're just on his payroll. 
I can't believe Lenny got engaged and all I can think about is his mom because you're right. <laughs> like, why does Lisa have to be in it? You know, like that Nene leaks. Why am I in it? Why yeah. can't she say, I'm so happy for you. You found such a beautiful woman. Like, I'm so excited to have her in the family and leave Lisa the fuck out of it, especially because she is the mother of your two grandchildren at the very least, right? Like that should be just the bare minimum motivation to start being nice to her in a public platform. But I mean, everything about this is just like crazy and it just puts such a wild end to the, I guess it's not the end, but just like conclusion in this relationship of the woman that he was bringing into their house, was in the back of their car, was that video of her like hanging all over him outside of Pride 112 when we all still thought that they were perfectly happily married. And it's the same woman. It's just, it's, it is never going to get old to talk about. And of course, we're going to see it play out on this season of Miami, which is all that I could ask for. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. Say what you want about Larsa. You and I both know we will be absolutely glued into a confessional where she is sitting at that gorgeous island in her penthouse apartment with Lisa and they're debriefing this. That is all I want in my life. Like it's all I need. I want to, you know what I also want to say? I want to see Julia's reaction. I just know Julia's <laughs> going to have some shit to say, right? I know Gertie is just going to be like, oh. <gasps> He did not. He got married. The ring, the engagement, her jumping onto Lenny, like hanging onto him on top of this cliff in seven inch heels. There's so much to say because I think what I'm looking forward to this season is obviously she's still upset about it, but less saddened and more like Phoenix rising from the ashes. Fuck him. Let's get even or like, let's move on kind of vibe. And just looking at him as such an asshole instead of mourning this love in her life that's lost. Like, I think we'll get to see her have the ick for Lenny, which is going to be the best content. It's always kind of a fun experience as the viewer when you have gotten the ick on someone's behalf because you feel so protective over them, but they haven't gotten there yet for, you know, understandable reasons. She was married to this guy for a long time. It was the love of her life. But then when the person in the situation catches up to the disgust you've had, you're like, okay, now we can fucking play ball because once you say it, I can say it. Right. Right. You know, with Lenny, it was like, all bets are off, but now we're really going to get into the nitty gritty. Cause even the women, I think were tiptoeing around it a little because it was such a fresh wound. And Lisa was really still in like the grieving sad stage of the relationship and so hurt that now, I mean, it's going to be like balls to the walls slashes tires. Fuck Lenny party. Yeah. Also as a side note, Lisa is serious with this guy, Jody Glidden, who, as we said, the same guy that came with her when she recorded our podcast, they have been together constantly. They're on vacation. She was posting up a storm with him, which she would have been doing anyway, but specifically in light of the engagement news, I think they were potentially upping the content a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I I am so excited for this next season of Miami. Me By the too. way, actually, there's I actually can't rank the women in terms of reactions I'm most excited for because as I'm thinking about it, like, yeah, Larsa is going to come for his throat, but do you think Alexia isn't going to be right there? Like every single one of them is going to have something to say. <laughs> Marisol is going to be pouring the vodka like it's nobody's business. <laughs> So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. 
And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. I'm not saying it's the best episode to recap on a podcast, but I'm telling you right now, I'm having the time of my life watching New York. I'm eating it up. I'm so just in love with like the details and all of the silliness going on. And I love learning more about these characters because like on one hand, I feel like I really know them, but then I'm like, I don't know you. I can't anticipate your next move. I don't know how you're going to react the way that when I see Tamara or I see even like Lisa Hochstein, I kind of know your next move. With them, it's all a surprise. And I, again, say, as I said last week, they're learning their dynamics as we're learning their dynamics. And it's just, it's really, it's really hitting for me. It's like perfect petty drama and I'm loving watching it. I really am. No, I'm telling you, I'm having a really good time. Again, there's nothing overly substantial here to really deep dive analyze. Obviously, we will do that because duh. But I recognize that the stakes aren't so high, but that's kind of some of the most fun TV to watch at times. I will say in terms of this whole storyline about Jenna leaving the night before, I will say that I am unequivocally on her side for this one and (laughs) my mind will not be changed. I was going to say, like, we are the two literal worst people to ask about this objectively because we are the first ones out of there. We can sleep in our own bed. I can escape and have my own quiet time. Like my friends joke that I always have an escape plan. So I am so Jenna on this one. And like, yeah, I get it. They were so sad that she left, which like is only flattering that they wanted her to really be immersed in the experience. But like, if my bed's 10 minutes away and I have a call at 6.30 a.m., you guys are being loud and the air is too cold in my room, forget it. I'm out of there. It, from her point of view, it didn't affect anybody else. And their reasoning was only positive, like with good intention. But like, come on guys, you know, you got to be a little understanding here. Well, I mean, yes, their reason was flattering because obviously they wanted to spend time with her, but also even knowing that she would have gone to sleep, it was more so the principle of it that they were offended by, you know, here's the plan. We're all sleeping here. Aaron invited you into her house. How are you going to leave specifically without making a grand goodbye? Whereas like, okay, fine. But the reason that I so resonated with what Jenna was saying is that she didn't want to tell them to be quiet. Like she recognized they're there to have a fun girls weekend. There's nothing wrong with them blasting music and having fun. She just didn't want to partake. And so if you know that you can't partake 
and or can't do what you need to do, aka go to sleep when that's going on, the most selfless thing you could do in that situation is just remove yourself. Like, what's the alternative? She told them to quiet down? Because if that was the case, the storyline would have been, wow, Jenna is such a downer. We came here for this fun girls weekend and she just, you know, has to dim our light. Like she, I don't know, to me, 10 out of 10 times, that's exactly what I'm doing. Also, I feel like they maybe subconsciously had a little bit of a motive that they wanted Jenna to really like do the girl's trip, like that they were pulling her out of some shell or that they were like really, you know, getting her in the groove of something, getting her out of her comfort zone and that they wanted to like be successful on that, specifically Erin, but I kind of think all of them. So they felt like maybe they were losing their grip a little bit when she left. And I don't think that's the case. I think she still is like fully immersed in the girl's trip as much as possible, but that maybe they were like, oh, we failed at our mission, which was to like have her on her first girl's trip and really see it to completion. See, I don't even know if, I mean, maybe that does exist on some level, but to me, it wouldn't even be so much that they feel like their grip is slipping in terms of getting her to be vulnerable and to be on board. To me, it's more so from the angle of they all subconsciously on some level, whether they're going to admit it or not, feel as though Jenna is maybe in a little bit of a different league. And I think Carrie... I don't want to say an inferiority complex necessarily, but they carry something just from the perspective of like all being on the cast together that potentially she would have, quote, different treatment. And I don't know, you know, how granular we want to get with that. If it's different treatment from the network, if it's, you know, different treatment from what's expected of her. I'm not saying that they could necessarily identify exactly what it is, but I think on some level, they all feel that a little. So I think in this case, her leaving, going to her own home, not partaking in the group cast activity, going somewhere where there aren't cameras. Like, I think to them, they feel that that's a little bit special treatment, even though that's not what they were going to say. On some level, I think that's what's going on in their minds. Totally. It's it's like an unspoken thing. Honestly, I think the OC women kind of have it with Heather. And I think the Beverly Hills women have always had that with Kyle, where they feel like, and and New York with Bethany back in the day, where I feel like they think anyone who has a pre-existing friendship or relationship with Andy or like is in cahoots with him and was brought onto the cast and should just feel so lucky that they're there. It's an unspoken differentiation when in reality, there is no differentiation. And like, Andy signs him up for the show, but he's not there day to day making like, oh, don't push Jenna. You know, like they want the best show that there can be. And it's like Jenna, I think, feels like I didn't do anything. Like I'm just me. But naturally, because of like who she is and her allure and her past and who she like how she presents herself, it just kind of happened that way, which like is not her fault. No, it's not. I mean, what are we talking about here? The fact that she's so cool, so successful, so well-respected and has this really unique energy about her that does kind of command a room in a very specific way. Like we're, we're talking about all wonderful things. And I don't, listen, everyone's opinion on this can be different. I don't feel from what we've seen of her that she comes across to the women as at all condescending or that she's presenting that energy. I think on some level that kind of status or whatever you want to call it precedes her because it's just yeah. so known. But I don't think it's anything she's actively doing. And by the way, if you're going to leave that night because you know you have a call early morning the next morning, what better than to walk in with Jack's coffee? Like if I'm mad at someone and then they walk in the next morning handing me a Jack's coffee that I didn't have to wait in line for, I'm probably going to be okay. (laughs) Also, not to get nitpicky here, but Erin kept making it such a thing that like, oh, you wouldn't let me make the shakshuka. And Jenna was like, I just don't want to eat before I work out. Like you do what you want to do. It's your kitchen. You're a big girl. 
Like Erin was just throwing a fit. Like, oh, we're all so hungry because you didn't want us to have breakfast. You didn't want the shakshuka before we worked out. Like Jenna never said no food allowed. Like it was such a weird thing. But by the way, let's just say she did. Like, let's say hypothetically Jenna was like, you know what? Let me take it a step further. It's not even that I don't want to eat the shakshuka before working out. I actually think it is offensive if you even want to have the idea of cooking breakfast. If I'm Erin and I feel so passionately about making this breakfast, you know what I say to Jenna? It's my house. Fuck you. Like what I wanted to say to Erin is it's almost... It's almost embarrassing that you are allowing her to have this much influence on your breakfast choice. Because if you so badly wanted to make the eggs, make the fucking eggs. I was going to say, like, why are you listening to her? But she wasn't even giving that as a command. What honestly is so hilarious about this is that that very, very specific example when it comes to to make or not to make the shakshuka is honestly illustrative of the entire picture we're painting here with the way that they view Jenna. Like, she makes one late suggestion about not wanting to eat breakfast before before working out. And all of a sudden it's as though, God forbid that can even happen in in the kitchen. Like it's not her fault that you take her word with so much respect and power. I'm liking Jessel as a housewife because she says whatever the fuck comes to her mind. When she just (laughs) says, well, her house is by the ocean and your house is not. (laughs) Like, Oh my God. It's so good. And Evan Ross Katz posted this and I saw a bunch of people on Twitter too saying like, ah, the women are back talking about Hampton's real estate, a la Ramona being so hard on Bethany for buying a house that was on the highway or when they would make fun of Cindy Barshop for living in Quag. Like it was so reminiscently perfect of the good old days. And I think that was the exact sprinkle that we needed. Yes, it felt very nostalgic in a lot of ways. And Bryn coming and saying, South is where it's at, but I guess this is fine too. Yeah, and you could tell Erin on some level was aware of that. Like she definitely had a little bit of a complex where I would say she was hyper tuned into anyone making any sort of a comment that could potentially come off as kind of dissing her house or the accommodations. Like she was just very, very aware of how this typically goes. Exactly. I was so into watching Uba and David, the trainer flirt. I'm obsessed with Uba. I don't know if I have a crush on her, if I want to be her, if I just am so, I, I just, everything, all of the above. Yeah. And she's, you know what it is? It's like, she's very unapologetically herself. And I can really appreciate that in a person. I love it because she adds so much, but she just like does her own thing. You know, like she comes in, gives her opinion and she's not trying to like start a fight, but she'll give her opinion where it, and it ends up like causing a stir. You know, it's just like perfect. I think what you're saying, and which I very much agree with is that in a world of new housewives feeling very kind of planned in their actions, her actions seem to feel pretty organic. Exactly. Exactly. Like you could tell this is who she is to her core on and off camera. I mean, incredible casting, like how you just pluck someone like that off the street. And she also happens to be like a literal supermodel is unbelievable. But it's just so natural. It comes so easy to her. She's not sitting there trying to think of what to do and where to move the chess pieces. Like she says how she feels and that's enough. Like she gives almost no effort and it's so perfectly effortless. Like I, I love her. And I, I also think, and I don't know, I mean, we'll see how the season plays out, but sometimes a personality type like that can also really do themselves a favor in that it makes it a lot harder for the other women to not only get mad, but to stay mad because it can chalk it up to like, well, that's just Uba being Uba. And if you are a housewife, that's kind of the best attitude the other women can have about you because 
it never allows them to get so mad. And again, I could be eating my words. I don't know how the rest of the season plays out, but that's something that definitely struck me. Right. It's like the best invisible shield when people just chalk it up to it being your personality instead of like the cameras go up and the claws come out. Mm-hmm. And she's not totally. like vicious like that. It's no, such it does, a, at it's, least from what we've seen, it doesn't feel that way at all. Right. And it's like such a delicate balance that you have to strike. And I think she's just doing it perfectly. And she brings like a, a center to the group because mm-hmm. they all like her. And honestly, I'm kind of the opposite note from that because I do think in some ways she's putting on for the camera, but I'm not at all mad about it. Bryn, like, I get that she's kind of a lot and you can tell she's loving being on reality TV, but I am loving watching her loving being on reality TV. She is our modern day Sonia Morgan. I just think she's so much fun to watch. I, I'm so not, like even, even when they're at the meal and she starts giving that bullshit speech to Aaron about the double standard with Jenna, which like maybe there's some accuracy somewhere if you really look for it. It was just so past the point. I didn't even care because I'm just so interested in watching her talk because I find her to be such a character. I I so agree. That was like the first thing I actually disagreed with with her. But I think she just brought like the fun and the flavor and such an amazing like mixing the pot where she's not stirring it necessarily, although she does, but she like keeps everybody on their toes. I really noticed it when, you know, when she wasn't there, it wasn't like it, the party was dead. But when she got there, you could just feel like there was a, a jolt of electricity through the group. Yeah. And also, you know, as Jenna said, I think it was Jenna that said that she's just such a naturally flirty person. And even in a group with primarily straight women, that energy is really fun to to be around. Yeah. And that's why I felt like Uba and Bryn with the trainer was just so reminiscent of like a Luann and Sonia moment that we've seen a million times before. And it's like, you have to just find the parallels and feel fed in that way because it's a completely different show. But like, these women are New York women, and that's just exactly what we needed. It's, uh, yeah, no, I, I was so here for it in a serious way. But the other thing I wanted to mention was from the meal when they're talking to Jessel, and they say something about her being unpleasable and always complaining. And she's like, no, 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 it was just the heat and Wi-Fi. And Sai says, well, you couldn't stand the gift that Jenna gave you, which I know when we were talking about it last week, I, I remember saying something like, yes, Obviously, her delivery was very off. But to me, I think that it was so much more about how she was feeling with herself, specifically given the comments she had made in the car about feeling not entirely confident in her body at the moment. And she was dealing with some other things. And it kind of just that feeling, which I I said it last week, but it's just so hit for me of like, you put something on and you know that you don't feel the way that you should be feeling in it. Like everyone's wanting you to feel so sexy and you don't. And it is a very uncomfortable feeling. And so in that moment, the way that it manifested was her coming across very rude and like taking it out on the gift. But what I found to be interesting about this was two things. One, she was entirely unaware that it came off in that way. Like you could see her genuine shock when she felt that the women were coming for her about that. Like truly what that kind of showed me was I don't know if you want to call it a lack of self-awareness, but definitely a lack of understanding the way that her words would be received or make someone else feel. And then on top of that, this was the first time where we kind of got to see Jenna's, I'm not going to say confrontation style because she wasn't the one doing the confrontation, but maybe the opposite of that, her lack of confrontation. Like here was something that she completely agreed with Aaron and Sai about. Meanwhile, she was not going to be the one to fight that battle. And I think watching her in that moment was interesting. I loved Sai wearing the lingerie to dinner because, yes. you know, you know she cares a lot about her outfits. So I think 
not only would she probably have worn it anyway, but I think she probably felt a little bit of like a, a fuck you. Like I'm going to go the complete opposite direction and like maybe suck up to Jenna a little bit, or maybe just bring it up in that way because I'm literally wearing it out to dinner. Like that's as far as you can go. I also think for Jenna, which she didn't tell them. So like it's, or maybe she did, but it's not really their fault is that it wasn't just a gift. It was like her really good friend's brand of someone she cares about who makes these clothes. And like, you know, you're not just offending the gift that she bought her. You're also then offending whoever made them that she obviously cares about. So like that is an added layer, but again, it being a gift from her should have been enough that you just, you are gracious. You say thank you and you never need to wear it again. But you're right. I think it was like being so specific about sex and body image and all these things that Jessel had just opened up about. She was almost projecting it onto the gift. And I think looking at it like, well, why did all the other girls get this? And I got this. Does that mean you think this about me when truly it probably had nothing to do with that? And if Jenna had gotten them all like cashmere scarves, this never would have been a conversation. All this did was just show us sort of how Jessel positions herself when within a group. And like, is it word vomit or is it just really her lack of seeing? What Or I, you know, a third option and maybe a combination in some ways is just that she's clearly struggling a little bit internally. And we were just, it just so happened that the gift in question was something that hit on all of those points that she had just expressed struggling with a little. So it's like not, it's really not so wild that we got what we got here based on the fact that leading up to the gift, everyone is coming at her for not being, you know, sexy enough with her husband and not leaning in. Meanwhile, she's just been expressing all these insecurities. And now you have a tangible representation of the thing that you're struggling with. Like, yes, if she was maybe a little bit more self-aware, would she have conveyed her point in a way that wasn't so disrespectful of Jenna? Absolutely. But also it was just, a, it was a human reaction that like I thought was off, but I'm also not going to falter for because if I'm choosing, I have more compassion for the way that she's clearly feeling than anger for like the way she handled something that realistically Jenna Lyons isn't losing sleep over whether or not she liked her lingerie. Yeah. And also I'm not complaining because it brought amazing drama and conversation to the group. You know, if everything was rainbows and butterflies, we would be out of business. Literally, we would not be here. Yeah, exactly. Also, two other things I wanted to mention. I thought their two truths and a lie were really good in terms of fun, flirty, you know, continuing the conversation, specifically what we were saying, I think in the premiere, or at least when they were having that conversation at Jenna's house about how it's very refreshing to not have the subject of sex come up and be met with such disgust. Although I actually did want to say Someone, I think, DM'd us about this, or maybe I saw it on... No, someone definitely DM'd us, and I I lost the inbox, but I so agree with this point, I actually wanted to make it also. Is like, I don't remember exactly what this person said, but it sparked the idea of, you know, yes, Ramona specifically had a very negative reaction when sex was brought up. However, that was kind of Leah-specific in that sometimes Leah brought things up in a very, like vulgar way where Ramona had this really, really strong reaction to it. Whereas like, generally speaking, she wasn't so opposed to the idea of talking about sex. I think some of it was Leah specific that the group was responding to. I know, but just, it was always taboo, even in their coolest, most like forward thinking, modern woman moments. There was always like, oh, we're not going to talk about hand jobs at the dinner table. And they would only divulge like a woman not, never kisses and tells. Like, by the way, and I'm saying that 
uh, fully agreeing that New York was always the most sex positive. You know, they were all single on the town making out with Harry Dubin. Like, I get it. But I just think it was such an indicator for me when my reflex or my instinct was anticipating the next confession or the next thing to be like, oh my God, don't say that. Like, that's awful. Or, oh my, like this big over the top reaction. And everyone did not flinch. Like, they're doing two truths and a lie and size saying, I gave two hand jobs or I reversed cowgirl. And like, they're like, okay, yeah, well, they're really thinking about the lie. Like, they're so unfazed. And yes. And that is just a totally different beat than what I'm used to with New York and, and with some of the other casts. It's just like usually the not the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, you preach in the choir here. I love that. There's nothing that I appreciate more from a person than when you, tell them something that you could potentially have fear of judgment and they respond being not only accepting, but entirely unfazed. Like unfazed is the exact way I want my audience to be when sharing an explicit sexual experience. And you know what? We are always pushing those boundaries and testing the limits. Yes. (laughs) Think about me. I'm a push. Wait, also, just in terms of what you were saying earlier about like getting to know these women, that's very much how I felt when they were having the conversation in the backyard and Sai was opening up about her upbringing and, you know, how some of them may love the dollar store, but for her, the dollar store elicits kind of negative emotions because it brings her back to her childhood and her dad buying the Christmas tree and like all of those things. Like those are the conversations, but yeah, they're not salacious. They're not juicy. You're not getting drama, but those are the conversations that are so necessary to be infused in episodes because it allows you to connect with these people more. Like we, we, are now understanding her past. We're understanding her story and that will help to inform our understanding of the way she may react to situations in the future. And I just, I, I always across the board appreciate that level of vulnerability, but I also specifically appreciate it when it's contrasted with, you know, pettier drama earlier in the episode. Cause then it's like, okay, there's a little something for everyone. Yeah. And it also reminded me, oh yeah, I literally do not know these women. Like all of a sudden I think that we're besties. I've been in their house. I know the families, but like, no, I don't know them. No, it's a very necessary reminder. And also in a show like this, when it's a completely new cast, we'll start to see throughout the coming episodes, moments like that from every single one of them. We saw it last week with Jenna, you know, when she's opening up about being outed and, and so many other experiences, we're going to get that from every one of them individually. Totally. I'm very, very excited for that. And Loving the season. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. 
That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. It's crazy to watch a whole episode of Atlanta that Ralph isn't even in. And my biggest takeaway is like, wow, I cannot stand this guy. He never, ever lets an opportunity to fuck up and be the biggest asshole pass him by. Well, two things. First of all, Drew formally saying, yeah, I'm still in counseling. Ralph took a little pause, which when they hit us with that flashback from the previous session, and I was re-infuriated by not only his gaslighting her, but also just the disrespect with which he spoke and the superiority complex that he holds. I mean, I, that's a whole separate thing. But then when he texts Marlo, I don't know. To, you know, sometimes on Housewives, and this is across the board, every franchise, maybe if we want to say the most, maybe it's like a Miami, but I would say on every single franchise, this conversation comes up about like men fighting women's battles. And for a lot of Housewives, I think the stance is like, a man should never get involved. And it's not a conversation that I want to have with him. It's a conversation I have with you and you can relay the message. And I don't always agree with that necessarily because I do think there are some conversations that can be had. Like just because he's a man doesn't mean that there can't be a dialogue. But in a situation like this, I am completely on board with like, I'm not responding because it's your husband. Let me have the conversation with you. Like what a weird game of telephone that ends with Marlo getting a text from Ralph. That did not sit right with me. It's so strange. I just, I, uh, it's like, it's hard because I watched Drew and listen, I get frustrated with her sometimes. I do because I find that she just makes things complicated for herself. She spins this whole web at times and it's a little bit upsetting because when you root for her and then you see her making the situation more difficult than it needs to be, it's bothersome. However, I, I feel more sad for her than I feel annoyed by her because I, I know not only what he's probably doing to her in this moment in terms of that's the last guy I'd want to be in a divorce battle with, but on top of that, just like she's still in it. Like she's still trying, you know, like when you're watching this, she's, she's not entirely aware of what's about to happen. 
she also still has to answer for him in a way. And she's sitting at a table of women who she knows don't approve of her husband or his actions. And she herself has her own issues with him and with the things he does. But she still has to like defend him and be his wife. And like, that's a really, really difficult place to be. I also think it was just so bizarre because like out of all the shit that they say about Ralph, that one little shady comment that Marlo made, that's what's going to you know bring him to this place to text her. Like, I wanted to be like, Ralph, if you think Marlo subtly shading your business activity is the worst thing that's been said, I got news for you. Well, what I wanted to say is like, do not turn on the Comments by Bravo podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. And by the way, yeah. we go really soft on him. Yeah, comparatively speaking. I just, I know. For, yeah, what did she say? Like, you know, he works in tech. He would know. Like, by the way, if that, if that, there's no way that you, you motherfucker who goes to Tampa unanswered for, you cannot think that that is going to be the worst thing someone's going to say. Right. And by the way, if you do think it's the worst thing, then you're hiding something weird. Yeah. Like you're just like, <laughs> like if you're if it if you're making it seem like it's sneaky and shady, then it's sneaky and shady, you know? And by the way, very Louis coated. Huge Louis pizza oven energy. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That's not a territory you're trying to get in. Wait, the other thing that I wanted to mention was when Nini was podcasting with Carlos King and they were talking about the current cast, she said a couple of things that I thought were interesting. One was when she said something like, you know you got yourself a little bit of an issue when Marlo was the one bringing it the most. She's like, Marlo has been a friend of for years. Now she gets the peach and she's kind of outshining everyone. Like maybe you got to reevaluate the cast. And she was saying, she doesn't feel like anyone's really bringing it. And she said like, we know Kenya can give. She's like, but Kenya isn't in the company of people that she feels she wants to give to or be read by. And, and she was even making comments about Candy of like, you know, yes, is Candy in some ways the the core of the show. Yes. But she's like, I don't think Candy's serving. I don't think the camera loves her. I don't think anyone's tuning in to see what Candy's doing. She's like, maybe her family. I don't think her. And it was just very interesting to kind of hear Nini's takes on it because not that I'm saying I entirely agree. And specifically, you know, I feel about Candy. I fucking love her. But in terms of Kenya, like, I do think that and this this is across all franchises. Like when you have specific cast members that really know what they are doing, it is specifically when they are in the presence of greatness that they get elevated to like their highest housewife potential. And I do think a little bit of a cast shakeup would probably do someone like Kenya well because she can bring it like no other. But I don't think she feels surrounded by other women who are bringing it in that way. I think she probably feels like she doesn't have a worthy opponent. And Housewives is such a great example of rising tides raise all ships in terms of like, you're only as strong almost as your weakest player. So Mm -hmm. for someone like Kenya, like she needs someone who's just as good as her to be able to like give it her all. So (laughs) yeah, she's great. And I love her personal storyline, but it's not the same as when like Nini was around and when, you know, everything was just like at the height. Yeah. And I do think there's a part of her that's feeling that. I mean, I've always said to you, I think it's a different show without Portia. To me, Portia is one of the housewives across the entire brand, all franchises that her presence alone can seriously elevate a cast. I mean, look at Ultimate Girls Trip. That would not have been, that that trip would not have been that trip if Portia wasn't there. Look, I could watch Portia do just about anything, but where Portia shines is in a group setting. Like, yes, she's incredible TV. And I think she, like, 
Nini was talking about the camera like not loving candy. The camera loves Portia, but Portia's even better in a housewife's group than she is on her own. Like she had her own spinoff about her family and like, it's great. It's amazing. She has such interesting personal storylines, but when you put her in a group setting with other women, either the Atlanta women, the ultimate girlship women, she fucking shines. Yes, it is so true. It is so true. And it's funny because in a standalone, like a setting like chat room, for example, she also shines. And that is obviously a smaller quote cast. Like she's great from a commentator perspective. And I think she would be a great correspondent. Like she could fuck up a red carpet interview better than anyone. But I agree with you. If we're talking about just like reality show, I do think she's better on a cast than having her own. And that's, by the way, that's true. But I would say that that's true for like most people, like whatever city you're watching, whoever is the number one best member of that cast, it doesn't necessarily translate to them being an incredible solo act for a reality show. That's why Bravo always, and all the networks really, they always test it. They think if it's a star on a show that they're family or they can do a solo show. And like, I'd say 50% or more of the time, it doesn't really work out. Yeah, You got to stick to what you know. Like Kim Zolciak could stand on her own, but some other people can't. That's okay. Like, don't get me wrong. I think it is a very enjoyable watch to see Sonia and Luann do some stupid shit at Crappy Lake. But even that, and that's two of them, that's different than them on the full New York cast. It's it's a hard balance to strike. Even like, you know, I think about a Tamara or a Giselle who I love on a cast. I don't know if they would be as strong on their own. And that's okay. Like I, I don't want, I'm so much happier to watch them in a cast, but I do just think it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Okay. So I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pink screens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, 
from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find free to fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. I mean, in terms of OC, we still don't really know exactly what Shannon was referring to that was getting her so upset. Like, I think last week we anticipated that we would maybe know this week and we were still getting a whole lack of specifics. A lot of lack of specifics. But again, I don't know what happens now because they broke up and got back together all since this has been filmed. So it's like, where does this land? Do we find out what happens? Does that affect their relationship? Does she talk about the reunion? I just don't know what the direction this goes in. Tamara is so shady. Like when she's there with Heather and Jen and she's bringing it. Don't. It's like, she's right? like out tamaring herself. I know. I'm, I'm telling you, she's, and I'm not mad at it necessarily because I understand you come back after this much time off. Like you want to bring it and she is, but it's just, to me, it is very obvious how much she is playing the character of herself. And again, I'm not upset about it necessarily. I just think that if she were to rewatch it, potentially she would have wished there was a little bit more subtlety. Yeah. Like even with Heather, like how quickly you're going to flip-flop. Now you're testing Heather and trying to catch her in a lie for Shannon, who you didn't speak to for all these years. It just is all like, I guess the overlying theme that you can really sense is like, Tamara gives no fucks. And I'm not saying in the way where she always didn't give fucks, but like almost that she doesn't care about these relationships that no matter what happens, as long as it's good drama for the TV show, it's fine. And whatever fatalities along the way with these relationships happen, like so be it. I mean, I think she does care about them like to a degree, but I think she cares about stirring the pot and being the drama maker and having a good season more than any of them. And like, she's on good terms with Shannon. They're on the freaking Trace Amigas tour wearing matching outfits. But I just, I think there's nobody or there's only very few people that Tamara would claim untouchable when it comes to the show. Right, which like, by the way, is maybe the best, but also the most dangerous spot <laughs> to be in because yeah. you, are, you are looking at everyone as though they are just a pawn in your game. And if you're on the receiving end of that, it's specifically when the person in question is Tamara, it's a little bit of a scary spot to be in. Well, also because I think Tamara makes everyone feel like, oh no, not you. Like you're, you're not included in that and you're right. different. And it's never the case. Like maybe for that day or for a certain period of time when she does feel some sort of kinship or closeness, she'll come to your defense, whatever, but it's never permanent. Like it's not long-term. No, but I think that the more and more time you spend with her, the more you know that. Like Heather's Heather's starting to to pick up on that. Or not even starting. Heather knows that. Heather knows that. But again, she still cares very deeply and feels hurt. Like, wow, I thought we had a real friendship or something different. And like, it's just never going to be the case. This whole thing at the dinner on the boat with Ryan and Jen and the Disney <gasps> conversation. So uncomfortable. I hate him. Yeah. Hate's a strong word. I'm just not. He gives me such an ick. But, but that, okay. Prime, I mean, it's not the same as the Lenny Lisa thing, obviously, because he did not do anything in the way that Lenny did. But like what I was mentioning earlier, where it's such a validating feeling as the viewer when the person you're supporting gets the ick for the person when you've had it. Like I await the day that Jen inevitably gets the ick for Ryan because then she can 
like kind of gossip with us. You know, she can be one of us in the discussion. Whereas right now she's so looking out for protecting him. And of course she is in love with him that that's blinding her. Whereas I just think a year, two years down the line, there's no way. Oh, I know. Well, but think about it. That is literally Tamara and Eddie's life mission. They are coming on this show. They're giving all the viewers around the world opportunities to have the ick for Ryan. But really their sole mission is they want Jen to have the ick for Ryan. They're laying it all out on a silver platter of like, here's the reasons why you should literally be turned off and not into this man. And they assume that, you know, once someone hears all these things, they're trying to protect her and say like, get the fuck out of there. And she's pushing back and saying like, please stop trying to protect me. Yeah. Which listen, if someone's telling you that there's kind of nothing that you can do. That's when you're like, all right, I guess it's in God's hands. Yeah. So you, you try, you try your hardest and then you're done because at that point and then it just becomes disrespectful. So if that's what she's saying, this is her battle to fight. And I think that she will figure it out. I actually happen to really like her. Like I, I genuinely enjoy her way more than I enjoyed Jen from last season, not to be confused with Ryan, but <laughs> But you know, like I, I, I like her, and I just feel upset that this is the situation. But you know what? Such is life, and she's gonna figure it out, like everyone does. Exactly. But I love her. I agree. Amazing casting because I think she's great on her own with the group. But also, I mean, talk about a personal storyline that I'm hooked into. Also, I thought Emily and Shane at the pumpkin patch was. <laughs> I don't know why that's like a hilarious sentence, but I, I do, I do think that that was a necessary moment because so much of what we see from their dynamic, even last week when we were saying, you know, it was actually enjoyably playful. It it's so playful in nature, either when they're kind of shading one another jokingly or when it's a little bit more loving. Whereas this was like, even though it was again at a pumpkin patch with their kids and it wasn't overly serious, it was like a real moment that happened. And later on when they talked about it, they did kind of cover it in a more serious way. And I just think that we so much of the time get to see them bickering and we get to see her kind of adding humor to the whole situation that for her to have this really vulnerable moment of like, this is how it makes me feel. I appreciated that. Same. And I also felt like it was just such an honest, real like parenting conversation that I'm sure a lot of couples related to. Obviously I don't, but I just like can imagine. And I know parents and couples and that it is a real thing. And I also felt like, you know, maybe we were smooth sailing a little too close to the sun with Shane and Emily for that while. Like we came on here a week or two ago and we're like, I love Shane. They are a couple goals. And like, we needed to be knocked down a couple notches. Well, I, I speak for yourself. I never said couple goals. (laughs) That's not, I don't They were like, they were honestly like the best couple of that episode. So that was like a small win for them. Right. Because maybe Heather and Terry weren't, weren't showing up for work that week. Obviously Terry was out of town on a conference that week. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean couple goals with any disrespect to either of them. It's just like, that is not a relationship that in my life I would personally want to mimic, but that's okay. Cause I think, okay. Sorry. Let me backtrack. Couple goals for them because it was really how far we've come yes. from like actually not having one ounce of understanding how they even like breathe the same air to all of a sudden actually enjoying them. Like that is no small feat. No, totally. And when you have a scene like this week where even though I didn't love his behavior, I can appreciate the honesty in the conversation after the fact. And last week when they're in the waxing room together, like 
those are the kind of things you those that's the range you're trying to see. Exactly. Yeah, I love range. They they bring it. They show it. I mean, all we want is range. Right. I love give me range. Give me range or give me death. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> is there anything else that you would like to mention? Oh, wait. <sighs> One thing I got to say is the Heather and Terry selling the house, which like Oh my god, I'm so emotional. I literally am it's like on the scale of my family selling their house and then right under it is Heather and Terry selling the house. Yeah, and you can see for Heather, she really does view this as kind of symbolic for this next phase of her life. I mean, there's there's so much there, which I don't know how much of it we'll see. And I know some people are really not interested because they find the whole thing to be just so uh, overly ostentatious in nature, which like it is, but I also watch Housewives for exactly that reason. So I think it'll just be fun to see the, the journey. Yeah, and also the way that it happened, obviously I love the Josh Altman element to it to like understand it from both sides. But that they were maybe ready and like flirting with the idea of leaving, but he just swooped in and had a buyer and then they had to be out of there within a month. And that that can't be easy, but I think it sort of pushed them on to the next phase that they were already kind of ready to to do. And now they have this big house in Beverly Hills. They have this big apartment in LA. I, I'm not worried about them. No, no, not for a second. But I do think that there's something to be said for almost having the decision made for you before you're ready. Not that it was made for them, but like you're not turning down $55 million, right? Like, you know that that's probably as good as it's going to get. And so to be presented with that opportunity and then to make the decision significantly easier, there's something about that that must be liberating. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That was like divine intervention. Is there anything else? I feel like we kind of covered it all. I think so. A little chaotic, but I lo- I love it. Hey, listen, it always gets a little chaotic when the episodes don't have so much substance and then we're just like saying shit, but I, I love saying shit. <laughs> I said to Emma, like, <laughs> you know, everyone's like, this Barbie does this, this Barbie does that. Like if we had Barbies, it'd be like, this Barbie just says shit into the microphone about the real housewives. <laughs> that, that, that is us. Put that okay, in your go. box, Mattel. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> okay. Not, not you turning into my dad. <laughs> always happens. Always happens at this time of the evening. Okay, guys. Well, we love you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we will see you next week. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.